Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. My decision on graduating from college to go in the Peace Corps was so very influential on all the rest of my life. But my dad couldn't make heads or tails of why I do such a thing, what with my physics, programming, math, and speech communications majors. For me, it was a choice about what would direct my life to my priorities rather than just making money or pursuing the American dream. Today for Spirit in Action, we've got four guests with us who made a parallel choice about putting their lives to service. All of them joined Quaker Voluntary Service, called QVS. We'll ask them why, of course, but to do that, we'll first need to learn what Quaker Voluntary Service is and how they're participating in world-changing as we talk to K.T. Glusak and Dylan Sebastian of the Twin Cities, Minnesota, QVS contingent, Zoe and Cisco Edmonston of the Portland, Oregon QVS group, and Claire Hannapel, whose QVS service was in Atlanta, Georgia, and who now serves as the QVS development coordinator. We've got a lot of people to talk to, but before we talk to Claire, KT, Dylan, and Zoe, I want to play a song for you written by Sue Kranz, in which she performs with Ben Towsley, and it evokes for me the magic that can be born of and nurtured in the circle of community. Sue Kranz's song is specifically about that happening in a circle of music, which you'll learn is especially relevant to the Quaker Voluntary Service Twin Cities Community House. The song is Gonna Take It With Me, We'll listen to it, and then we'll meet with the four QVS fellows. Sitting in a circle Hardly know each other's names Stormy night in September Shelter from the rain Pass the song around the circle Amazing how it starts to grow Voices blending, harmony ascending Gonna take it with me when I go Gonna take it with me when I go Pass the spirit on to everyone I know No such thing as danger Gonna take it with me when I go Every kind of tune, it's a welcome Snow sweet upbeat, doesn't have to rhyme Revive the old songs They just get better over time From a place we seldom show But it doesn't take too long To tap it with a song Gonna take it with me when I go 
gonna take it with me when I go. Dash the spirit on to everyone I know. No one is a stranger, no such thing as danger. Gonna take it with me when I go. down to where our goodness flows lift us when we're down it can travel the world round it's with us no matter where we go sitting in a circle now the fire it's burning Just one more for the road Cause no one wants to go We take our leave with hearts still humming Will we meet again? We don't know But in this time and space The world's a better place Gonna take it with me when I go That was Sue Kranz and Ben Towsley singing Gonna Take It With Me. Now to our four guests. I'm so excited to have all four of you here today with me for Spirit in Action. Hello. Hi, Mark. I want to say hello to each of you individually. Claire, it's so wonderful. You're actually, you were a Quaker Voluntary Service fellow, so you're the voice of wisdom in this group. Is that right? Something like that. Okay. And KT, you, I think you still have another month to go in your service up in the Twin Cities? I do, indeed. Dylan, it's easy for you to get down to the Friends General Conference gathering because you're just working up in the Twin Cities of Minnesota and we're down in Iowa. Are you looking forward to the next month when you're going to be done? Yes and no. And Zoe, you flew all the way here from Portland, Oregon to be part of this interview. I'm so impressed. Thanks for joining <laughs> That's right. It was planned months ago. Yes. Actually, I just met Zoe within the last half hour. It turns out that she was one of the Quaker Voluntary Service Fellows who happened to be here at this gathering who could join the other folks I had previous contact with. So we need to give people an idea of what Quaker Voluntary Service is. And I think, Claire, you're the likely one to do that since you are working as the development coordinator now down in Atlanta, Georgia. Sure. I'm happy to, Mark. Well, thanks for having us. And QVS is actually in our seventh program year. We're younger than many folks think we are. We are a fellowship program for young adults, and we operate in five different cities across the country. And we bring together about six to eight young adults, age 21 to 30, and we invite them into a year of service, into a year of community, into a year of 
spiritual exploration. And they live in a house together, as you'll hear from, from the folks here. They live in a house together and are supported and held by the local Quaker friends in each of these five cities. Each of the fellows are then paired at a nonprofit or community organization in the local area doing different sorts of justice work in the educational field or in the arts or in environmental work. Some folks are doing lobbying work, some folks are doing direct service. It really varies, and I'm excited that you get to hear a couple of stories from these folks here. And Claire, you were a fellow, a, a QVS fellow down in Atlanta from 2016 to 17. Now you're this development coordinator for QVS. Why did you choose to stay associated with it since you had your voluntary service in? Why didn't you go on to the big bucks jobs? Um, that's a great question. You know, I, th- I think one thing that I learned in QVS is that the work of being committed to justice work, liberatory work, is not about the big bucks. I mean, I didn't learn that exclusively in QVS, but we practiced that. In QVS, as a fellow, I lived with seven other young people, and the focus in that year was on abundance, but not in material gain. So we were really thinking about how do we build relationships and invest in each other as a new sort of wealth. That really compelled me to stay committed to building QVS. I had such a transformative experience that I wanted to share with the rest of the U.S. Pretty much that's kind of our constituency is sharing with Quakers in the U.S. about QVS. So in my current work, I get to travel around to monthly meetings and yearly meetings and to gatherings like this at FGC and share about the impact and the vision of QVS and really about all the the young adults who are being transformed by this experience. And we've got fellows here today, three fellows who are, are currently finishing their service from two different cities, from the Twin Cities and from Portland, Oregon. Where are the other places where QVS is active? As you mentioned, I did my program year in Atlanta. We also have a community in Philadelphia. We're also in Boston, Massachusetts, Minneapolis, and Portland. Well, is there more plans? Since you're the development coordinator, I'm kind of figuring you know what's on the horizon. Yeah, that's a really great question, and and many folks are wondering the same thing. We ourselves are in this stage of curiosity, wondering, you know, we started as one house in Atlanta, and that work was really relational, and we're now at a stage where we're in five different cities. We have relationships with local friends. We have relationships with service agencies and supervisors. We are building relationships and continuing to be invested in our alumni, and we want to ensure at this stage that the work we're engaged in is truly impacting those communities we're already touching before we expand further. That's not to say that we close out this stage of curiosity with the understanding that we can grow and we can continue to expand while holding true to that value of, of relationships. But we're wanting to make sure that we're certain before we grow further. Also, I think just as, a, as an add-on, we want to be cautious of just assuming that growth is the way to do this work well. It's a little bit of a mindset that sort of steers us away from what our core vision is. And our core vision is about empowering emerging leaders and to equip young adults in this world as spirit-led and, and spirit-grounded young people. And I think that that work While we are doing it well and we have plenty of areas of growth in, we want to ensure that 
this program and this model is distinct before we grow further. And so I think that I'm going to talk to each of the individuals who are here, volunteers. If you want to provide feedback to what I just talked to Claire about, I'd love to hear that. So KT, for instance, you're currently a volunteer in the Twin Cities. Would you say what you're doing and then address the question, what the future? You're just about to be done in another month with this period as a fellow of this service. Has it changed you? Is it a service? Is it distinctive? So yeah, I'm KT. I use she, her pronouns. I am a permanent supportive housing case manager in the Twin Cities. And so that basically means that I am working with folks experiencing houselessness, normally single adults in their middle age who have a disability and experience chronic houselessness. So in addressing the question about the future, this is for me in particular, I don't have... Well, actually, I will say... Even if I don't continue with case management work, which it looks like I'm probably not going to continue with due to lack of positions available, something that QVS here has really taught me is that that's where like I think my gifts can be best used. So somewhere in the realm of social work, healing work, therapeutic work, something along those lines and is what I want to pursue. And I really, I came into QVS pretty visionless. I wasn't really sure where I should go next. I just found QVS and I thought like maybe this program will lead me towards what's next. And the program felt really right. And I, I remember when I was applying, I was like, give me any job. I don't care. I don't know what I want to do. Um, and so then when getting this position where clearly like there is a very intentional discernment process around like, you know, which city you're put in, which group of people you're put in to live with, and also like which organization you're paired to work with. And there's a mutual discernment process there. So it was really through such an intentional process that in realizing it wasn't just a coincidence that I ended up where I ended up. And I think it's not, it's not something I would have thought about before applying. It's not something that like rang any bells when I read the description on the QVS page, but it's something that like ultimately I realized really fits with me and the ways that I want to show up for people. And Zoe, maybe we can address you next. You're over in Portland, Oregon. What work have you been doing and what does this mean for the future? Has this changed you? Part of the goals that Claire said that we're trying to address is to help emerging spirit-led leaders, young people. Have you been changed in that direction anyway? Or maybe it's been a failure. Maybe QVS should shut down. We don't know. I wouldn't go that far. Um, <laughs> my name's Zoe. I use she, her pronouns. As you said, Mark, I live in Portland, Oregon. I work at an agency called New Avenues for Youth. I do SNAP enrollment there, which is a really interesting part of my job. I am really passionate about food justice and being able to provide people with benefits to find independence in their lives around food is just a really kind of direct work that shows a lot of results, like a lot of immediate need meeting. So that is really valuable for me. And we serve homeless youth or youth who are at risk of being houseless or have been chronically houseless for a variety of reasons. And it's just super rewarding work. Something that's a little bit interesting about my QVS year was my placement was not planning for me to be there. There was a very quick change in the beginning of the year 
and I had to find a new placement. It was this really beautiful kind of way opening moment where the things that needed to happen happened in ways that I could have never expected and things that needed to fall away did. And I got to build a relationship with an agency that really needed me and I really needed them. So that was a beautiful opportunity. I wasn't planning on doing SNAP enrollment this year, but I was really passionate about working with this population, houseless youth, and was really passionate about food justice. So those two things were still at play in my new position. It just wasn't what I was planning on at all. I guess as far as the future, I plan to continue working at New Avenues for Youth. They have really encouraged me to see my own worth and see my own contribution to that agency as really valuable. And it's the kind of workplace environment where turnover is pretty regular. So to have someone who's steadily committed to that work for at least a year is really, really valuable. So I plan to continue working there. I also plan to stay, or not stay, but... There was another strange part of my life where I had started massage therapy school and stopped halfway through, thought that it was kind of over and done with and that I needed to move on from that part of my life. And then when I was in Portland, just meeting one after another healers and people in the healing community who encouraged me to check out a massage school there. And so I did, and I'm currently enrolled and will be starting school in the fall and working full time. One thing that QVS really pushes you to do is step into those callings, I think. And it's not easy. It's not simple. But it is always worthwhile that I've seen so far in my life, in my experience anyway. You refer to houseless youth as opposed to homeless youth, which is, of course, I'm significantly older than you. Is that a term that's especially operable now, houseless youth? I think KT can also speak on this too. But I think partially because of the word home being like home could be anywhere. It's who you find family with. It's your sense of home, but potentially the house, the building, the structure, the safety, the shelter is what's missing and not the sense of home, potentially both as well. But in my understanding, using the word homeless is also really loaded with negative connotations. So for the youth or people who are experiencing houselessness and also in social work, communities and in the larger society. I'll continue to learn and find the right terms that I, I understand that home has a reference to community or lack of community. You can have a community even if you don't have a house over your head. Exactly. Right? I, I can imagine that. And Dylan, you're up in the Twin Cities. What work have you been doing? And I, I'm really interested in this idea of whether this year has changed you, changed your trajectory in life, and really equipped you for this prime goal of spirit-led leaders. My name is Dylan. I use she, her. I am living in Minneapolis this year, working at a puppet theater called In the Heart of the Beast Puppet and Mask Theater. It's sort of self-explanatory, but it is a puppet and mask theater. And a lot of what we do there is workshops and residencies with either schools or community groups or faith groups throughout Minneapolis and the Twin Cities. And we also put on this very large community arts parade. It's called May Day, and it's... Uh, a time where a lot of artists and community members come together to put on a parade full of art that sort of brings up and 
amplifies sort of like just topics and things that people are thinking about all the time. The first thing that I took away from this year is the way that art can be a really cool vehicle for people to express themselves, which is like, I feel like all of us know this, but something about parades and having things, parades and puppets, sometimes things get really, really small or they get really, 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 really big. And so it's really cool to see different people's ways of communicating what they want to communicate by making something as super, super, super tiny or making it like really, really big for everyone to see. And it's it's like people get super creative about the ways that they use materials and shape and scale to tell their story. So that's been really cool to see because I had done some parade stuff before at school, but this year sort of I was introduced to like a whole array of methods and materials and yeah, just the way that people communicate themselves through art was really awesome. And I want to just toss in the May Day Parade in the Twin Cities is beyond awesome. It's over the top. This past year, my wife took a couple of our grandchildren to see it, and they were just so blown away. I've seen other parades, and there's parades with a lot of stuff, in them, but there's nothing quite like the Heart of the Beast Pup Theater. I mean, there's just what, under their nurturance, it is an, it's a crazy, wonderful thing that gets done. Yeah, I feel really grateful to QBS for like this partnership. Yeah, it's an amazing parade. You can kind of feel, like being in it is amazing. KT was in it also, she can tell you. And along the parade route and also in the Powderhorn Park, which is where the parade ends and there's a huge festival, you can like feel the heartbeat of Minneapolis sort of like pulsing through everyone. It's almost like surreal experience that I like have goosebumps talking about. It was like very humbling also being there my first year and like knowing that it's been going on for 45 years and had like many different people involved and iterations of stories that people needed to tell at certain times and so it was just like it's cool to like think about just being there for like this dot in time but then just sort of becoming part of this like larger story of Minneapolis basically and of May Day. It's a community experience. It's oh, not totally, just yeah. a parade. It's it's not a spectator event even though there's plenty of spectators there. Could you give us any specifics of what you saw in the in the parade? Maybe something you had a part in nurturing so that people can visualize physically what's happening. Yeah, it's kind of I always get like a little anxious talking about parades cuz I I like say parade and people will think about like the Macy's Day parade or like their July 4th parade and I'm like, "No, it's different." Um <laughs> But yeah, I actually didn't really get to watch most most of it because I was in it. But one thing that was really, oh my God, there's so many things. I think I saw like an overarching beautiful thing because that may encapsulate it all. But how it sort of works is that there's a group of artists that come together that are on the Mayday staff and they come up with sort of the story that they want to tell. And so the theme this year was Beloved Community, which has a lot of history, that, 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 that phrase, but we were drawing on mostly the way that MLK used it as sort of not like Beloved Community isn't a thing, it's an action. And so a lot of the conversations we were having were about, about like how to communicate this story. And so there are four sections and the first one, was called All My Relations, and it was a group of Native and Indigenous folks in Minneapolis who built this really big woman as an honoring of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women movement, and then also built these buffalo out of bikes. So they were like bike puppets that were buffaloes. Those were like the two main things that were made, but there was a lot of 
other stuff also in that section. And then the next section was called Get Together. And basically the idea was that, okay, yeah, community is a great idea, but like, how are we going to do it? And so they made these all huge food and just different things that at least a lot of people were like, when I think of community, I think of food. So they like brought it all together. And then there's a next section called Action, which had this huge beating heart and then different community organizations dressed in different colors. And they were sort of like the heartbeat of the heart that was spread out from this huge bike puppet that was like, I don't know how tall it was. It was super tall. And so it was sort of like the heartbeat of Minneapolis was based on all these organizations. And they had these beautiful posters that said like strike and fight and like heal and it was amazing and then there was the next section that was about the future and that was the part that me and KT were in and it was all about like nurturing the future which is like in the hands of young people and so we had a bunch of like dragonflies and bugs and flowers and things that bloom <laughs> that was the parade and it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> and, and KT did you have any comments about the parade you were evidently in the parade as well uh yes thanks to Dylan I've been like able to get involved with Heart of the Beast I've been messy various times throughout the year um I probably wouldn't have known that I could be in the parade if it weren't for Dylan but she was able to help me get set up to learn how to walk on stilts and be an eco-guardian. I think that was what they called, eco-guardian angel or something like that, in Dylan's section. And yeah, I think everything Dylan said is so right, especially about the spring awakening that is Mayday Festival. I'm a northern person, like from upstate New York, which is where I was living for the past five years. And it's like I haven't experienced a spring awakening to the likes of this. And I think that's because the winter here is just harder and it was really like just such a magical moment and also just even coming to like the theater for the builds that would happen the community builds that would happen various times throughout the week it was such a community building space in itself like just the creation process like the parade itself and the festival after brought so many people together and so many people out of their caves that they were um, hibernating in all, all winter and it was also like even just everything leading up to the parade itself seemed like such a collaborative community oriented process which was really cool for me to witness and I'm really grateful to Dylan for bringing me into that space. And Dylan, I didn't give you an opportunity to answer the last part of the question I had asked, which is about your sense of the continuum, the movement into spirit-led leaders that hopefully Quaker Voluntary Service is engendering, that it's helping nurture. And I'm just wondering if you have any sense of that. You've already did work with a puppet theater at Oberlin, I think, that you were part of parade work there. And so maybe you've already on this path. Has this changed, energized, redirected you at all? In terms of the, the puppet part, I, that was sort of like a constant. Like I was into it, and then I was into it, and I'm still going to be into it. I think most of where I felt the transformation was definitely living in my house. And being in community with people and also just learning from my housemates. I think like my housemates are really incredible, and I've learned so much from them. And I think that... Maybe that hasn't changed me or whatever, but I think that they have, I don't want to speak for all of them, but I think we as a collective house have done a lot that has brought out parts of our inner core to the surface that maybe was not as visible before. And that is some amazing things and also some really hard things. And I think that there's definitely value in sort of like seeing those bloom all together. So that's definitely where I felt like the most transformation is in our cute little house. 
I want to get more into that very shortly, but first I want to remind you, you're listening to Spirit in Action. NorthernSpiritRadio.org is our website with all of our guests and programs from the last 14 years available for free listening and download. You'll find links. So to find QuakerVoluntaryService.org, a website for QVS, you can follow it from our site if you can't spell that many letters all in one word. You'll find that and a whole lot of other information on the NorthernSpiritRadio.org website, including a place to leave comments. We love comments. We love communication, and we love especially two-way communication. So please post a comment on our site when you do visit. There's also a donate button. That's how this full-time work is supported. To some degree, I am working as a volunteer, as a fellow myself. There is work in this world that's worth doing, even if it isn't highly compensated. And I think we're talking today to for people who discovered that in their participation as fellows with Quaker Voluntary Service. I certainly experienced it when I was in the Peace Corps, and I experienced it with Northern Spirit Radio. This is the work of my heart, my life, my spirit. And so I'm willing to do it, even though it isn't equal to what most people get from a full-time work. But that doesn't matter, but your help will matter. So please, Click donate when you come. Even more important, I'd love to see you support the community radio stations that broadcast this program and community radio everywhere. And it's not just community radio. There's other media locally. Actually, what Dylan has done working with the Heart of the Beast Puppet Theater, that is also media work locally that builds community. So support your community radio stations. Support your local media because it is how communities grow strong. So please do that first. We've got four people here today for Spirit in Action. Claire Hannapel was a volunteer. She was a fellow with the Quaker Voluntary Service in Atlanta, and she currently serves the organization as their development coordinator. We have two folks who have been this past year up in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, KT Glusak is one, and Dylan Sebastian is the other, and they're just within a month of the end of their service there. And we also have the good fortune that we have Zoe and Cecil Edmiston, who is a volunteer in Portland, Oregon, and she happens to be at the same conference where I happen to be in Grinnell, Iowa, where we're all joined at a large Quaker gathering called the Friends General Conference Gathering. So... All of you have just talked, and particularly I appreciate, Dylan, that you brought up the experience of living in community. One of my experiences with the Peace Corps was we didn't live in a household together, but it was so clearly for me that the Peace Corps group was my peer group, and some of my dearest friends have continued on from that time. It made such a difference in my life to be connected with them. And I'm wondering if any of the rest of you have comments about your experience living in community, what size uh, your your QVS group was. And I, I love to hear positive and negative. I understand that uh, more and more. I grew up in a family with 12 kids, right? So I grew up with more people in a single bedroom than you probably had in your houses at times. So I grew up in community. A lot of people don't have that intense experience of community 
Could you comment a little bit about that? Anyone care to say something? So, Claire, do you have some comments? Yeah, I think, so I'm, I'm Zoomed out two years. I finished my program year in, in the summer of 2017. So I've had a couple years to reflect about the experience and see what stays and, and see what I let go of from the QBS year. And I, I think what stays for sure is, is the community part of it. I'm still in relationship with a, a lot of my housemates. And, and I think that as a staff person sort of behind the curtain, the QVS is the aim is to really offer an immersive experience for young adults to try on living together, living in relationship with people. And to, I mean, I think it was Dylan, I think it was saying about like how pieces are uncovered about yourself when you're living so close to each other, when you're coming home from a hard day of work, or when you're not finding spirit in your work. So I think that's the framework of the year is to not graduate from college or to be in your 20s wandering alone, but to to find other people wandering so that you can wander together. I, I want to be cautious about saying that QVS is offering all the answers because we're not, and that's not the point either. I think what we're offering instead is is an experience where we're trying to figure out how to be grounded and how to be resilient and how to check in and check out of community you know, every day, but to, to try and try again. And I, I think too that we have an instinct in our society to try to measure our success and, and try to measure it really quickly. And the impact of QVS is going to stretch far beyond one year, far beyond two years. I mean, each year that I'm out of the program, I can reflect on something new about that experience. I'm either building new relationships because of QVS and that formative experience. I'm learning new things about myself. The formative aspect of QVS is is ongoing, and I just want to be cautious of trying to like measure it right away. Can the other three, you're currently volunteers. Any of you care to comment a little bit about your experience of living in community? As I said, when I was in the Peace Corps, I lived individually, or actually I lived with some people in the African village where I I lived. So I wasn't with other Peace Corps volunteers. I was on my own. What's been your experience, the high points, low points? KT? So one of the things that really drew me to QVS was that it was uh, living in community, and I had been looking at service year opportunities. Part of the reason I narrowed it down to QVS was just that they did offer that living in community aspect, and I had already been living at a co-op after I graduated college, which is its own kind of intentional community in a way, and I just felt at that point and still really do feel committed to living in intentional community. And one thing I'll say about like my experience at QVS was with my community there, it's just the healthiest community that I've ever lived in. And I know I'm not speaking from a ton of experience, but I did study intentional communities in college and visited a lot of them. And like, so I, I feel like even if I'm not speaking from my own personal experience of living in all those communities, I still did get to observe them very closely. And, and I think that we were doing a lot of things right. And that makes me really happy. And like Dylan talking about our house, like makes me want to cry, or it's just like, we built something so beautiful. Of course, there were issues, of course, there were problems, and there still are. And like, coming in, being 
basically all of us entirely new to the city and then facing like a horrible winters like of course we felt a little like cabin fever sometimes and like sick of each other sometimes and like issues would come up as the layers unpeeled but when I've talked about this before I talk about how it just feels like we're living sort of in this social experiment where we're all like super communicative with each other and super open about our feelings, just kind of laying our vulnerabilities out for everyone to see. And so when somebody in the group might act up or act out in a way that feels unusual, it might not be actually like surprising. It might be something that the rest of the house is willing to hold, knowing that they're working through something and knowing each other so deeply that I felt definitely personally able to really push my growing edges in the house. And just like, yeah, I've definitely learned a lot about living the way I want to the way I want to show up for my community and it's remarkable to think that we all came into the city like not knowing anyone not knowing each other and I remember it really being this like super daunting feeling that I had and like this heaviness I felt in the beginning of like wow we have to create community and it's only for this year and we have to do it so fast and we just have to get there and go and like start and it's like as I went on realizing it's more of like this unfurling this constant unfurling we're always becoming better at living with each other. Looking now where I think a lot of our friends in Minneapolis see our house as a community place, a place where they go to seek community and like a place that they feel really welcome and invited into. And we're just like constantly hosting our friends and hosting events for our friends and community dinners. And I think like, I'm not just speaking for the house when I say like people are going to miss Hell Yes House. That's what we call ourselves. Hell Yes House. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you want to know the story about that, I can, behind that I can tell you too. But yeah. Why Hell Yes House? Well, also, I don't know if we'd all agree that we're <laughs> Hell Yes House for sure, but we also call ourselves the house of many names. We've been playing around with a lot of names, but we feel like for community house, we should have a name or people should know us by something. I think a lot of people call us the Quaker House, but it was Hell Yes House. And this was like, I think this was something we started calling ourselves at orientation because, and I had been like carrying this phrase with me as I was like moving through all these different, it was just going through a lot during my move and my transition into Minneapolis. And I was sort of carrying the saying of like, if not hell yes, then no, in terms of not taking on too much or only taking on the things that you love and only saying yes to the things that you love. And so like hell yes house is like our community is like something we're all saying hell yes to and we're going to be putting our love and time and intention into. And Zoe, you were over in a different house than Dylan and KT. You're over in Portland. What's been your experience with community? Positive, negative, uh, future influencing? Yeah, so I am living in Portland, Oregon. It's a similar city, I feel like, to Minneapolis. There's a lots of creativity and community-oriented people. But our house's dynamic is pretty different, I think, from Hell Yes House or whatever you want to call it. So we started out with six people. We have five people. We lost someone a month ago. She was going through a very intense grieving process for the duration of the QVS year. So our house really, I think, is filled with a lot of really sensitive, emotional people. And we were really holding that with her throughout the year I think just winter in Portland is also really intense and our emotions were just kind of like getting the best of us in a lot of ways. So I think it's a similar story throughout the other houses is that there's this kind of arc that happens 
of this, like, oh, we get to meet each other. It's the honeymoon phase. And then this kind of like disintegration of like, whoa, we have so much going on. We have no time for anyone, not even for ourselves. But you still have to like find each other at the end of the day and check in and be right with yourself when you go to sleep. And and then springtime comes and you have this newfound sense of energy and hope. And But you're also kind of reflecting upon the year, thinking of, you know, what were my hopes and dreams? What did I accomplish? And what what am I facing now today with the reality of a uh, community of what it is actually? And what do I need to let go of or what can I potentially inspire at the end of this year? And now just with one month left to go, I look back on this year and and see there are some incredible relationships that we've formed and a lot of really deep work that we've done together, which has made our work possible, I think, and made us show up in our work authentically and knowing that at the end of the day that someone has your back and someone to process with, someone who understands what you're going through. And yeah, so it's definitely been an up and and down. And it's funny because I think the Minneapolis house is really, really close knit in that they have things that they do together as a house pretty regularly. And our house is very much so independent in Portland. We all have our kind of extracurriculars that we love and hold space for one another for that. But when we do come together, it's often really, there's a really deep sense of connection not sure what else I want to say about community. I think what's really important and also what drew me to QVS was the sense of community, but not just within the house, like the circles of community that are around you. So you have your house and then you have your city coordinator who's in constant communication with the local support committee, who is another circle of support around you. You have your spiritual nurturer, who is this kind of like, for me, was a centerpiece in my experience, a real grounding force and inspiration. And then you have your work communities and then you're outside of, you know, you have these circles of support. Whereas I think in other volunteer programs, you're kind of left to fend for yourself in a lot of ways. And of course you find community always anyway, but QBS offers those supports in place already. And they're very grounded in Quaker values, which is what I reflect and resonate with. So Yeah, that was really important for me. And Dylan, you said a few things about living in community. Can you give me any of the concrete experience of what it's been like as part of Hell Yes House or whatever? What do you call it, actually? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what I call it. I don't really call it anything. I think I just call it the house, which doesn't really distinguish it from any other house. But anyways, so QBS sort of gives us the tools to, or like gives us ideas for tools of things we could actually do as a community to build communities, which are things like meeting for worship or meals together or business meeting. So we, as a house, decided that we wanted to have two meals that we eat together together a week, excuse me, and then one of them preceding meeting for business and one of them preceding meeting for worship. So we did that every week and we would rotate who cooks and who cleans. It was always a good day either at work or at just whatever we were doing to know that we were going to come home and have like a really awesome meal ready or that we were going to have to be the ones to make the awesome meal because that's always really exciting to get to try new things and to cook with different people every week has been like a cool way of building connection. Another thing that we do as a community, which is goes across the QVS program are these things called QVS days, which is where I guess you could call them program days where there are activities and like sort of workshops or discussions that we have as a house that are 
sometimes led by the site coordinator and sometimes they involve going to the different site placements. So all spring we would rotate. One Friday we would go to KT's work and the next, like in two other Fridays we would go to the, another person's work. And so we would go around and sort of see what the different kinds of things that our housemates were up to during the day, which is, you know, living with them and being so close. Like I feel like I had a pretty good understanding of what it was like to be them at their work, but just actually going and being like, Oh, actually this is what it was like is a, was a cool exercise that QBS encourages. And then other than that, I mean, we have like TV nights and we also go on three retreats throughout the year. So we have a fall retreat, a spring retreat, and then a final retreat. And that usually involves going to a different location. It can truly be anywhere for us. It, we went one time we went to near Duluth and stayed at a barn up there and did a alternative to violence adjacent workshop. It wasn't like the, the alternative to violence workshop, but it was led by someone who is a nonviolent communication leader. And then another time we went to Shalom Hill Retreat Center. For our final retreat, we'll be going to the Boundary Waters. These retreats, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's a pretty sweet setup. (laughs) And there are people listening all over the country who have no idea what the Boundary Waters are. The Boundary Waters? A million acres or so of wilderness, canoe wilderness. It's it's incredible place in northern Minnesota. Yeah, so we're headed up there in about three weeks. And those retreats, I mean, they for one of them, we did do this week-long intensive, but otherwise we just, like, spend time together, have discussions if we need to, sort of do, like, some reflections. Uh, it's just a time to like, be together and also be away from work to reflect on the year, which is pretty cool. As our, our house, we host these open mics every once in a while where, like, our friends come over and somehow, like, all of our friends play guitar somehow <laughs> except for me and one of my housemates and that's kind of exaggeration but a lot of them are musically talented so that's always really fun to and, and these friends that you're talking about are they people from the wider quaker community are they just people you know at work or the people who live next door how where did these mm, friends come from a combination of those they're just people that we've met along the way different housemates will invite different people into our community space and they hang around So part of what you're referring to there, Dylan, is the retreats and all this. I think that's set up by local people, like Cynthia Bartu is one of the people who happens to be in the room here. If you step up to the microphone, Cynthia, you're part of local support coordination for the group in the Twin Cities. What exactly is your role? I serve on two different committees. One of them is what we call our fund raising. So we're raising some fun as well as raising some funds. And we have organized both a welcoming event where we had the community turnout along with the brass band and some food trucks to welcome the QVS fellows when they first showed up. And then um, we're also having a recognition event at the end of their service, so a time to reflect. And that won't be a a fundraiser, but we have done some other fundraising events. And then I'm also on the finance committee. No, I'm also on the hospitality committee. I, my, my roles are overlapping a lot. So, so I've, I've helped to get the house set up and make the fellows feel welcome and help to coordinate the community turnout for making that house amazing. It was an amazing house for them. It's so. in, I just need to take this moment to express the gratitude that our house has for all the work yeah. that they've done because it 
like they talk about working on welcoming us, but like they really, it worked. <laughs> it was yeah. like an amazing home to come to after having just an orientation and being thrown into this house with five other people that I've literally never met where it was just like a total crapshoot how it was going to go. And it was really so special to come to a home that already felt like a home. And they also made food for us the whole week, yeah. which was super nice. And one of the things I'm wondering about, Dylan, maybe you can answer this, is why not go to AmeriCorps? Why not go to Peace Corps or other such opportunities? They might be slightly more remunerative. I assume you come out of college with a pile of debt like everybody is supposed to do, or maybe not in your case. I, I know that it doesn't hit everyone equally. But one of the questions about doing volunteer service, and it seems to be a pretty popular thing. I have two of my stepsons did AmeriCorps experience. Actually, when I finished college, my father says, wow, you're, you're the only one out of the family, out of the 12 kids, go to college. What are you going to do with this degree? And I said, I'm going in the Peace Corps. And he says, what's your angle on that? Because it didn't make financial sense to him that I would do it at that point. So why choose a volunteer year when you're supposed to be off and paying off debts or getting the money for your first house so you can do a down payment, et cetera? What particularly called you, Dylan, to this life? I think what's special, and also to answer both of your questions at once about like why not AmeriCorps and also why not other things, I think what's very distinct about QVS that also sort of relates to some stuff that Cynthia was talking about was like QVS is about service, but it's not so much about feeling responsible for like, quote, changing the world, which is like, I think sort of like it is it's important to be passionate about change but to take on the responsibility of this it's unrealistic and doesn't help anyone because you put yourself in a hard position and you strain others by not being realistic about what you are capable of and so i think what was special about qvs was that it was super community oriented so it was had these principles of using community based values to bring about change and took the focus away from the individual and towards the community, um, which I think they do by like having this house set up and with working with orgs that certainly take more than one person to run, you know, like all these places that we work at, it always takes a team. It always takes like a group of people working together. So I think that was another thing that was like really instilled and like very true to the QVS year is that like it is about the community. And another reason I was interested in QVS is because I think that they also put a big focus on, like, in addition to having a big focus on community, they also put an emphasis on doing self-reflection and having, honestly, like, a lot of programming that forces us to, like, think about our roles in the work that we're doing and the community that we're creating and also in larger systemic parts of this world that we live in that emphasis on self-reflection was another component that I think is valuable especially in a service year where a lot of us are doing jobs that we might not normally have gotten had it not been for this service year so I think that was an important part of like holding those two things at the same time of like being honest about our capacity like meeting it being like humble about our roles in it and then reflecting on it all together and it's definitely not a 
vertical growth process. Like there are things that we all got wrong this year, but, and I'll speak, I'll speak for myself that there's things that I got wrong this year. There's things that, that there was ways that I grew, but there's like always room for more growth. And I think I'm just sort of like done with the year. And now I feel I have like tools to move forward. And Cynthia, I wonder from your perspective, being part of local support, being on these couple committees, what have you seen in the house and what have you seen in the supporting community? I mean, you're part of, there's the Twin Cities Friends Meeting, Minneapolis Meeting, Prospect Hill. There's this wider Quaker community in which these people have brought their energy and creativity and willingness to be part of a learning process. How has it changed the people you've seen? I find that this process, and I've been involved, we've been working for years for this to happen, so probably about five years in the making, and it has felt spirit-led at every step. Just absolutely amazing to me how the pieces have fallen into place. I think that's one of the ways that we know that we're following spirit, is the lineup for this to happen. So I would say the community that's been working on this has been inspired and delighted and then this is the first year of the QBS program in the Twin Cities. And so we meet monthly and hear from the program coordinator, Sonia, you know, how things are going. We hear about these things, and we have just been so thrilled. The growth, the opportunities for all six of the fellows and how the community has functioned. It's, I'd say everybody has felt very uplifted by being involved in this process. And the community of Quakers in the Twin Cities and the nearby smaller towns has really come together on this. And I, I think having a project where you make something wonderful like this possible is galvanizing. It really brings together the community in a wonderful way. So I want to thank all of you. And I, Cynthia Bartu, we pulled you in here out of the audience uh, here at the Friends General Conference gathering. Thank you for your service and for jumping in on this interview. Thanks, Cynthia. Thank you, Mark. Claire, I think that QBS is fortunate to have you as their development coordinator, that it nurtured enough in you to make you want to continue to give back and grow this thing with others. Thank you for doing that work. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us, Mark. Katie, you know, I have a bit of sadness right now in saying goodbye to you for this interview is because you're over in the Twin Cities. You've been there for most of a year, and I'm just 90 miles away in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and I haven't had a chance to know you before, and I can't believe that I've wasted this much of a year. I can tell you. Thanks for joining me here for Spirit in Action. Oh, thank you so much, Mark, and you're always welcome to our house in Minneapolis in the next month, and then <laughs> I'll still be there yes. past then. Yes. <laughs> Zoe, I'm so fortunate that you were able to drop in, that you happened to be at this conference, even though I hadn't made prior arrangements with you, and that you could bring the news and the rain, I think, from Portland, Oregon. <laughs> I think it's a place like that. It's been wonderful to start to get to know you, and I look forward to more. Thank you, Mark, for having us. And Dylan, thank you so much for enriching the Twin Cities with your presence, being willing to come to the land of frozen lakes and to stay here and be part of warming our hearts and the community with your presence, your work, and your devotion. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. 
guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. <music>